Well, I'm so excited to be sharing with you today. My name is Justin, in case we haven't met, and if you see me around here, you'll know that I'm usually hiding behind a guitar. Uh, I haven't quite figured out what exactly I'll do with my hands for the next 20 minutes, but let's just see what happens. Back when I was actually studying guitar uh, in school, I learned lots of different songs. One piece in particular stands out to me, partially because it was really hard, but partially because I played it so many times trying to get to know it. I remember rehearsing it on repeat, trying to get it to sound fluid and musical with absolutely no luck. I'd put in more hours and try and muscle up more inspiration and motivation, but no matter how much effort I put in, I just couldn't seem to move forward. Have you ever been there? Caught in the cycle of trying, failing, and experiencing frustration? Well, thankfully, eventually, my instructor showed me that it isn't just practice that makes a difference, but how you practice is just as important. I began to realize that practicing scales, rhythm exercises, and warming up weren't just helpful tools, uh, but they were necessary for growth. And so I began to create a plan that set me up to build these strategies into my schedule. I learned that improvement wasn't just about having a trying mindset. It was about having a training mindset. Think about where else this is true. No one is born with the natural ability of running marathons. You become a marathon runner by training for a marathon. No one wants to be operated on by a surgeon who just tries really hard and puts in a lot of effort. We want the doctor who's trained and learned for years to be able to perform the task at hand. Growing in any skill isn't just about trying harder. It's about how you train, but I wonder, how many of us have considered whether experiencing spiritual flourishing or caring for our souls follow the same principle. That's what we've been talking about this month. We've been talking about soul care. We started by asking what it looks like to experience legitimate recovery in our lives. We talked about the fact that our souls are actually worth caring for. And then we talked about different strategies we can use to care for our unique souls. And then last week, we talked about how when it comes to caring for our souls, that nobody can do it for you, but you. And you have the ability to do it. After all that, this morning, we want to talk about the discipline of soul care. So we want to ask questions like, what does it look like moving forward to build sustainable patterns and behaviors into a rhythm so we can move from simply surviving life and into the territory of thriving? How do we move into a more mature, steady rhythm of life that allows our souls to flourish? How do we stop trying so hard and start to train ourselves mentally, physically, and spiritually so that when the storms do come, because they will come, we can weather them? Well, let's revisit what Jesus says in Matthew 11 to his followers. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, other translations address this passage to those who are tired, worn out, and burned out on religion. And what's the strategy Jesus gives to the spiritually burnt out? He says, Take my yoke. Now, because Jesus was talking to an agrarian society, it made a lot of sense to talk about farm equipment. As farmers plowed their fields, they would yoke two oxen together using a bar that would sit on their shoulders and allow them to pull greater loads than they could if they were on their own. Well, for us, a yoke is anything that attaches us to Jesus. Things like reading scripture, praying, and all kinds of spiritual practices can yoke us to Jesus and grow God's spirit within us, empowering us to also carry greater loads. So I think what Jesus is saying is that the key to caring for our souls isn't actually found by trying harder and pulling up our spiritual bootstraps, but to find the yokes beyond ourselves that can help us walk in step with him. 
Now, it's tempting to read this passage as if Jesus is saying that the yoke itself is easy to carry, but elsewhere in the Bible, a yoke was often a metaphor for oppression. Lamentations 5.5 talks about the way that Israel was oppressed by becoming enslaved to another nation. It says, with a yoke on our necks, we're hard driven, we're weary, we're given no rest. Jesus uses familiar language, but with a twist, because as we walk and work with Jesus, his spirit grows within us allowing us to experience a load that feels both easy and light. You know, as we till the soil of our souls, he doesn't promise soft dirt or level ground for us. What he does promise is relationship with himself. The call is great, but as we remain yoked with Jesus, the load begins to feel light. The yoke itself is heavy for us to carry, but a yoke by nature isn't meant to be carried alone. After take my yoke, Jesus says, learn from me. In the words of the message interpretation, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. As we walk and work with Jesus, with God's spirit growing within us, it's not a one-time investment, right? A life of faith is meant to be lived in rhythm. As I sat with my guitar, practicing my skills just one time wouldn't have changed a thing. Just like going to one class doesn't make you an expert in your field, eating one salad, no matter how big that salad is, won't get you the nutrients you need into your diet. But do any of those things in rhythm consistently over an extended period of time, and eventually you'll see growth, health, and flourishing. Now, paying attention to our rhythms matters because studies show that up to 40% of our actions throughout any given day aren't carefully weighed decisions, they're mindless habits. That's almost half of the things that you and I do, and we do them without thinking. Imagine if we could train ourselves to pay attention to the 40% of decisions we're not even thinking about so they begin to work for us instead of against us. Maybe the next storm that comes won't knock us off our feet because we've gone ahead and grounded our soul in the rhythms of grace. Wouldn't it make sense for us to build rhythms into our lives that allow us to unconsciously choose the thing that we know is good for our souls? That's what soul care is all about. It's about training ourselves to turn mindless habits into healthy ones. And by doing so, move from simply surviving and into the realm of thriving. How do we do that? Well, I want us to look backwards for a moment, all the way to 6th century Europe. St. Benedict was a man who lived there in 6th century Europe. He loved Jesus. And at the time, the surrounding culture he lived in was pretty unhealthy. And so in order to try and help his community, not just get swept up in cultural trends, he developed something called a rule of life. And what Benedict calls a rule of life is actually a strategy or a schedule for helping us create structured rhythms or practices uh, that we perform regularly in order to pay attention to our spiritual lives. Now, the truth is we all actually have an unwritten rule. Our schedules are built on things like hobbies, work, vacations, and so on. We all have things we engage in daily or weekly or monthly that essentially make up our own rules of life. But Benedict's rule is designed to help us be intentional about caring for our souls in really practical ways. Now, although the word rule can be used to refer to restrictive, legalistic, or even oppressive systems, That's actually not the case here. I love this. The word rule comes from the Greek word that also means trellis. Now, a trellis is a support system for a vine that enables it to grow upwards and bear fruit. A rule of life is meant to act as a sort of trellis for our souls, not to restrict us, but to help us build a structure based on the values of Jesus that offers support and helps us live fruitful and healthy lives. Benedict wasn't talking about a strict and rigid plan that should just become another religious box to check. In fact, he says that if you choose to fast, but an unexpected visitor pops by around a mealtime, 
break your fast and practice hospitality and eat with your guests. The goal was never to craft the perfect rule, but to apply an external structure that paid attention to the 40% of our unconscious decisions. Do you have a structure for how your life is supposed to work? Does your calendar serve as a trellis that supports it? What would it look like for you to establish your own rule of life? Now, uh, creating a rule of life is incredibly personal, and it's actually something you could spend a lifetime developing and refining. For most of us, though, what I'd want us to consider isn't necessarily doing a full rule of life for ourselves, although walking through that process is incredibly helpful and will provide some resources this week for those of us who might be ready for that. But what if we took this idea and we just started really small? The easiest way to not follow through on something that you're planning is to take on too much too fast, which is my toxic trait. <laughs> I always have such good intentions of things I wanna get better at, but I set my own bar so high that I burn out quick. I wanna go from no running to running every, every morning. I wanna go from eating whatever I want to eating only chicken, broccoli, and rice. And I wanna go from forgetting to pick up my Bible for a month to trying to read the whole thing in a couple months. But movement in the right direction isn't helpful if we don't keep moving. What does one step closer to Jesus in your rhythm look like? Something you could absolutely knock out of the park, something that you know you could keep up for a month, no problem. I want us to get really practical over the next few minutes as, as we talk about that. To start with this process, you gotta start with the end in mind. If what you desire is to feel less anxious, your rule probably needs to include more breath prayers and contemplation. Or if you want to be less busy, your schedule needs to reflect moments of silence and solitude and withdrawal. A great question to ask yourself is, where is my life currently misaligned with my deepest values or my most important relationships or my hopes and dreams? Because we can hold values, but if we're not building in structured rhythms that help us move towards health and fruitfulness in that area, we can't be surprised when our life doesn't grow in that direction. Once you know where you want to be headed, I want you to reflect on what you're good at. What's a strength? What comes naturally to you? Are you wired for justice and compassion? Well then, how can you build in intentional moments of service in your weekly or monthly rhythm to turn that strength into a superpower? Or maybe spending time alone feels really natural to you. It comes easy to you. So perhaps instead of just, you know, five minutes of silence each morning, you need a 2.0 version of solitude, like an extended silent retreat once or twice a year. If you're the type of person who's typically more creative, then engaging in practices that involve the arts could probably be more frequent. Do you love nature? How can you ensure that you prioritize spending time outside, whether it's just on your commute, playing with your kids outside, or simply having your morning coffee on your front porch? But the point is, how can you take the things that help your soul to flourish and ensure that they're not auxiliary, but they become anchors in your routine? Because this isn't meant to be restrictive, but it's a way to live in structured rhythm that supports us in living healthy and fruitful lives. Strengths are important, but it's equally as important to support our weaknesses. It's important to know how we can strengthen and offer support for any underdeveloped spiritual muscles we may have. Now, when it comes to my own spiritual life, I have weaknesses in spades. As someone who's medicated to manage ADHD symptoms, my rule of life is massively impacted by that. For example, quieting my thoughts is almost impossible for my brain to do unless my body's moving. So I've actually started to go on morning walks daily instead of trying to just sit still while I pray. 
I also find that focus tends to drift really easily for me, so I use tools like the Book of Common Prayer to guide my times of prayer, or apps like Lectio 365, which offers guided audio prayers and meditations on scripture. What feels hard for you? What spiritual muscle feels underdeveloped, and how can that be reflected in your rhythm? Be honest about what's hard for you, not so that you can beat up on yourself, but consider how you could offer yourself the loving and external support you need in order to care for your soul. What about identifying where you get energy from? Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Do you get your energy from people or from being alone? Because without the practice of community, the introvert becomes easily disconnected or isolated. So community becomes an important practice to build into, into the rhythm. But without solitude and silence, the extrovert runs the risk of becoming shallow and unable to hear the still small voice of God. What feels hard for you? And how can you offer support to yourself? Now, I know some of us for sure are sitting here in this moment thinking, all well and good, but I just don't have space for this, which is actually kind of the point of establishing a rule of life, to make time for the things you know will be good for you. But that being said, be mindful of your limitations. It's really important to recognize our unique seasons of life are going to dramatically impact what a rule of life looks like. For example, a young parent who needs to milk every moment of sleep they get, early morning scripture reading is probably not in the cards, and that's totally okay. You shouldn't feel guilty about that. But could you take advantage of the predictability you do experience in your schedule? What about moments of prayer during nighttime feedings? Or if you're a student and you need to use every waking moment of daylight to study and write papers, you probably don't have time for extended moments of contemplative prayer, but could you build in short breath prayers that you can practice as you run from class to class? You know, I think it's really easy for us to get overwhelmed and think that sitting with God has to look or feel a certain way, but the rule of life is not meant to oppress. It's meant to provide support for our lives. Now, beyond these deeper reflections, we actually need to get super practical and we need to ask questions like, where will I practice what I've planned? What time of the day, week, month, or year will I practice them? What practice would be more effective on my own or with a life group or around the dinner table with my kids? Or what schedule changes might you actually need to make in order to make this thing a reality? Or are there any accommodations you need to make with your roommates or your partner to ensure that your rhythm isn't an imposition on someone else? Or how long will you commit to this before you reevaluate and adjust? Three months, six months, a year? Well, to give you an actual example, I wanted to share my own personal rule of life with you. Over the years, my rule has been rather intuitive and has lived mostly in my head, but for the purpose of demonstration, I've put it on paper to give you an idea of how this idea actually plays out in my life. To start with uh, my daily rhythm, from Monday to Friday, I tend to get up pretty early in the morning so I can wake up before my five-year-old. And I usually spend about an hour and a half in some sort of solitude and silence. It begins with trying to resist the impulse to grab my phone first thing. But then for about half an hour, I'll either read scripture or I'll use an app like Lectio 365 that takes me through a guided meditation. Then I'll go on a walk or a jog where I might listen to music, an audiobook, or just spend time prayerfully with God. As a family, we've committed to eating together around the table daily, and we've also started recently a gratitude practice where we'll go around and everyone will say what they're grateful for before we eat. Weekly, uh, our family has a commitment to participating here at Southridge in our weekly Sunday gatherings. Now, because of my job being on Sundays, we've tried to recently recommit to a practice uh, of Sabbath on Saturdays, where we might spend time with family or friends, or we'll just go on a hike or make a special meal together like homemade pizza. 
Monthly, there have been seasons where uh, examine has been something that I've practiced daily or even weekly, but these days I'm probably closer to a monthly rhythm of reflecting and looking back to see where I saw God's presence in my life. As a family, we also take a really practical monthly exam into our finances. We evaluate how we're stewarding our household resources and make minor or sometimes major adjustments. Annually, we take a family vacation once a year that allows us to practice Sabbath rest in a more extended way. Usually around the turn of the year, at the end of the year, as, as a couple, Kaylee and I will find some time to sit down and look back over the last year and dream and pray and plan for what the new year could look like. And that's it. Now, I wanted to describe this to you, not so that you'll try and copy it, but so that you could just have a glimpse into what a specific and concrete rule of life could actually be. Now, I want to be really clear. I do not get this perfect all the time, but it's the approach I've taken to training over trying, which means I probably hit the mark more often than I don't. Maybe you're at the point where you're eager to take this next season on and sit down and rewrite your entire rule. And if that's you, check out southridgechurch.ca slash soulcare this week, and we'll provide you with all kinds of tools to do that. But if you're just in a place where you're wanting to dip your toe into this, I want to encourage you, take that next small step that you feel confident you can keep up, not just for a week, not just for a month, but over a long extended period of time. Growth in anything isn't about intensity, it's about consistency. Even small steps in the right direction get an inch closer to where you're trying to go. But the truth is, inch by inch, it can be really hard to see day-to-day growth. There will be seasons where you don't know if you have what it takes to keep going. You might find yourself drifting or lost, but developing a rule of life can give you a structured rhythm that will help to sustain your soul for the long haul. Now, I really don't want to communicate that I'm standing here as some sort of expert. I've experienced failure and frustration a lot in my spiritual life. When I was in my early 20s, I had a really rough year. Kaylee and I had just gotten married and our honeymoon period was shortly lived when after I had decided to go back to school, which by the way, left us with almost no money, we then got evicted from our apartment. Shortly after that, I actually lost one of my good friends to a car accident, and less than a year later, a second friend to a lifelong battle with cancer. It was a point in time where I just felt spiritually lost and my soul was in desperate need of care. Even though I wanted it so bad, it was something that I could not fix just by trying harder. Truthfully, I can't point you to one specific moment where I regained spiritual health. There was no massive uh, epiphany But by relying on habits and rhythms I cultivated before the storm, I began to slowly heal. Inch by inch, I moved forward and slowly but surely, I began to recover my life. Engaging in proven practices kept me yoked to Jesus and allowed God's spirit to grow within me. Now, I know some of us are still in the middle of storms and others of of us have maybe stabilized, but we all have the opportunity to respond to Jesus' invitation to take his yoke allow him to guide our steps. We can ground our lives in the rhythms that help our souls to flourish. We have the opportunity to create a spiritual ecosystem with deliberate practice that will lead us to recover our lives. As a church, we've grown in a lot of ways in learning how to love God and love our neighbors in greater ways, and we firmly believe both of those things are absolutely core to what it means to follow Jesus, but we can't forget to love ourselves too. We've been actively participating in what God is doing in the community all around us. But if we don't stop and remember to take care of ourselves, we'll have nothing left to give. What would it look like for you to recover your life? 
What could it look like to see the things you find as life-giving, not as bonus or if you have time, but as activities to prioritize? What if we could move from feeling guilt and shame when we don't meet our spiritual goals and we could begin to see them as opportunities to learn to lovingly support ourselves more? Imagine you could stop feeling like life is just a series of events happening to you and become an active participant in the transforming work that God's Spirit is doing in you. Imagine you could move from simply surviving life into the realm of thriving, abundant, flourishing, soul-filled kind of living. Could we become a community full of people who draw from even deeper wells? Could we offer even more light and even more love to the world around us? Because I believe that when Jesus says the words, come to me, that that's the type of life he's inviting us into. Let's pray together. God of grace, um, we come before you in this moment, many of us weary, tired, burnt out. This, in this moment, we want to respond to your invitation. You say, come to us. We want to respond to your invitation to take your yoke. And God, as we build our lives on you and your love, we ask that you teach us your rhythms. As your spirit grows within us, we ask that you take our tiredness and our weariness and you exchange them for rest and fruitful, abundant living. God, will you sustain us that we might learn to love ourselves, our neighbors, and you above all things. In your holy name we pray. Amen.